This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. In the studio with me this morning, I've got Tim McIndoe, National MP for Hamilton West. And a very good morning to you, Tim. And good morning to you, my, my old friend, Brian. Lovely <laughs> to be back with you again. And yeah. uh, good morning to everybody listening. It'll so, be, the, be the last time I'll be able to talk to you until after the election, I guess. Or so when, I gather the election's I was listening on. to you while I was driving in. Yes. <laughs> Here we are. I'm going to try and fill the hole with uh, competent people. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry that I've occupied the seat up until now. I hope, I hope you find somebody. <laughs> <laughs> You've been very competent. Thank you very much. Now, the House has risen. What if there was a COVID-19 spike during the election, say on 30th of August or something? Um, what happens then? Goodness, that's a bit ghastly to contemplate, isn't it? It's absolutely ghastly, uh, but I thought I'd ask the question anyway. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure of the answer, but constitutionally it would be difficult. Uh, the 12th of August, which is, what, just two days from today? Is it the 10th yeah. of today? Uh, is the official date of the dissolution of Parliament. Yes. Um, you and a number of people listening are probably aware of the fact that Parliament sat for the last day before the election yes. last Thursday. Um, we had the what is called the adjournment debate and therefore voted to put the House into adjournment and it was until a date just after the official dissolution date. So there'll be a little ceremony on the front steps of Parliament, the, mar- yep. the marble steps out, yep. uh, in front of the forecourt and the Governor-General will sign the official document dissolving Parliament and formally instigating the process of the general election. Right, okay. At the moment, we just think we're having one. We don't actually know we're having one <laughs> until she does that. Right. Uh, so the answer to your question about what would happen if there was a COVID spike, which would obviously have to come about through a sudden um, outbreak mm. of community transmission. Absolutely, yes. Uh, it's difficult to answer because officially we don't have a government. Well, we, we sort of have a caretaker government. Yes. Um, the Prime Minister and the, the Ministers remain ministers until such time as the new government is sworn in but i imagine the governor general would probably and i'm surmising here i don't know for certain but would probably have to consult the leaders of all the main parties yes to uh, see if agreement can be reached about the possibility i guess of postponing the election because i i assume that's what you're hinting at with the question whether or not that would be possible would obviously have to depend on advice from the electoral commission and I dare say it would be quite a significant um, issue. It may be that this is a discussion that's already been held, in which case the contingency plan would be in place. But we've just had 100 days of no community transmission. I think uh, everybody is agreed that we have to keep the borders closed for the foreseeable future. Therefore, the likelihood of... um, community transmission remains very low and we'd hope could be contained as long as everybody who is in the managed isolation facilities does as is required. Those who've returned recently are expected to go into quarantine for 14 days and to test negative, I think, after three days and then again after 12 days. So my hope is that New Zealand will remain one of the safest places in the world as it is right now and therefore that the election will be able to go ahead. Fair enough. When does the electioneering actually officially start? Is there a date? (laughs) 
Well, for me, it started the day after the 2017 election because in a marginal <laughs> seat like Hamilton West... Well, and that's you, the boards all up. You never it? stop it. Yes, well, some of them are. Some of them getting trashed and I saw uh, one having real problems with attacks on hoardings yeah. at the moment. But, uh, one of them was badly trashed oh. on... Um, um, oh, I can't think of the street um, English name. Anyway, um, there was oh, badly... we're, we're losing a lot. Uh. And it is um, very, very frustrating and expensive, of course. Yeah. But that's by the by. I just hope that whoever's doing it gets caught yes. and then gets prosecuted yeah. because uh, that is damage not only to our property, but also in some cases to the property of the people who are very kindly letting us put the signs up on their fences yep. or in their gardens or whatever. And um, there are lots of signs up on people's properties, and they're not necessarily indicating that they want to vote National or Labour or whatever. They whatever. just very generously have yep. allowed us to put a sign up, and they don't deserve to be treated in such in a way, contemptuous yeah. way. And I hope that, uh, as I say, whoever's doing that is is caught. Anyway, I've completely lost sight now of your question. <laughs> Perhaps you can ask ask again. No, was, I think it was about the official start of electioneering. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I presumed it has started yeah. because of the boards roll up. It has, it? really. The, the Labour Party had their official campaign launch in Auckland over the weekend. The National Party has our official campaign launch this coming Sunday. Right. I mean, of course we're campaigning now, but you always have a, a set piece. Yep. And I think the, the minor parties have mostly done theirs as well. Um, but that's just to have a sort of symbolic start to a campaign. In Australia, funny enough, sometimes the campaign launches are in the last week of the campaign. I would have thought it was a little bit late to start thinking about it then. <laughs> but, uh, it's about getting an event um, with um, lots of media attention. Obviously, you want lots of supporters yes. there and an opportunity to trumpet the main points that you're campaigning on and mm. we'll be doing that in Auckland this Sunday. Right. I will look forward to hearing a bit about that perhaps. Uh, now the uh, it's been a bit bumpy on both sides there's a lot of people leaving and, yes. and some mm. of them are quite significant f figures as well. I'm thinking of Nikki uh, for instance. Nikki Kay, yes. Yeah well I mean one week Deputy Prime Minister uh, Deputy, uh, uh, Deputy Leader of the Opposition, opposition and next week she's gone. Yes. Well there certainly have been uh, surprising resignations and uh, three weeks ago, I wouldn't have expected I'd be sitting here talking about the resignation of Ian Lees Galloway, both no. as a minister and also the MP for Palmerston North. Right. So Labour have lost uh, Ian Lees Galloway, Ruth Dyson, uh, Raymond Ho, who's their um, Chinese MP, mm -hmm. uh, Claire Curran. Uh, Ruth Dyson and Claire Curran had both been MPs, sorry, had both been ministers before. The Greens yep. have lost Gareth Hughes. The National Party have... Uh, lost quite a few. Yeah. And you're quite right. That's a lot of talent going out the door. But I think it is good for Parliament to be regularly refreshed. Mm -hmm. And um, this gives an opportunity for new people to come in, prove their worth, learn their ropes, and uh, let's hope be significant players in elections to, sorry, in parliaments and governments to come. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure that it's necessarily a great deal more than in previous years. Every election sees some significant people go out. Right. After all, at the last election, both Sir John Key and David Cunliffe, the former um, yeah. Prime Minister and Leader of the Opposition, left, yeah. and other former ministers on both sides left uh, as well. This happens. There was an election a few years ago when Helen Clark and Michael Curran and Steve Mahari and oh, Pete gosh. Hodgson all... or well, I think Hodgson may have been three years later, but the point is... People come, they do their time. It's a very, very demanding oh, role. Oh, yes. And, I understand um, that. You give your all, and just about every MP I've ever met does give it their all. And you can only keep going for so many years. I, I admire those who manage to do 
25 or 30 years, yeah. but uh, for most people, I think 15 or 18 is probably about probably it. Mm. It's I better not say that. I've, I've done 12, but <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few more years left. Your time me, will come. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in actual fact, it's, uh, it is busy. I mean, you know, I think if you're on a Tuesday morning <clears throat> out at the airport down mm, to Wellington mm, mm. and uh, not home to a Friday night or whatever. Well, it's usually home on a <clears throat> Thursday night, although recently, because of the fewer flights that have been operating, yes. it's more frequently. And also, we've been in urgency a lot yes. in, in recent weeks. We've had very late nights, and you're quite right. Um, when we're in urgency, the Parliament will sit till midnight and you've literally got to be on site, not necessarily in the debating chamber, but you've got to be on site and that means normally working in an office yep. uh, or being in the debating chamber. And I made a speech on a bill at about half past 11 at night the other night. I thought, I'm not sure how many people are up and listening to this, but it's still <laughs> part of the democratic process. Early starts the next morning. The, yeah. the select committees sometimes have to meet early on the t at the times when you're in urgency yep. and various other things happening. So... Yes, a parliamentary sitting week is gruelling, particularly for an electorate MP such as David and myself, because yeah. we've got so many different constituent engagements yes. and meetings to attend, festivals, yes. functions, concerts, etc. to attend, and we do that on a regular basis. So it's pretty much a um, seven-day-a-week job yes. and with long hours. Um, in, a, in an ordinary parliamentary sitting week, uh, I would say... 80 hours would be the norm wow. and there'd be many times when I've gone over 90 and I remember when I was a minister at the end of the last government 90 to 100 hours was quite common just because you've still got to have all those parliamentary and constituent matters but there's also a huge amount of preparation for ministerial events and mm. a lot of travel around the country to portfolio related activities so it's not for the faint-hearted and it's uh, one of those jobs that you do because you have a real heart for service, I think. Yes. So I'd like to feel that that's the yes, case. Yes, indeed. But it's also a huge privilege. Well, it's an is. enormous honour to be a member of Parliament. Mm. So there we go, and uh, and the new leaders uh, are settling in okay for the for the national. I think yes, they? Judith Collins has certainly been busy putting her mark on things and getting around the country. In fact, <laughs> she was here briefly in Hamilton on Friday afternoon. She was in Tiawamutu on Friday morning and oh, made right. a significant yep. announcement um, related to women's health and gynaecological cancer uh, and extra funding um, support for people who uh, are facing that uh, challenge. Yep. Then in the afternoon she was a guest speaker at an event hosted by the Waikato Chamber of Commerce which was focusing very much on the COVID economic recovery Yes. and made a good grunty speech. I, th I thought she was plenty of <laughs> lots of good content. Yes. Uh, I could tell that the people around me were appreciative of uh, what she was announcing and, and indicating would be priorities for National. Uh, she's got various activities on in Auckland today. If you are the leader, you literally are on the go every day. It's pretty much must be 24-7. <laughs> Don't often get to sleep in your own bed because um, the nature of an election campaign means that you'll be travelling all around the country and she will be for the next six weeks almost um, well, it will be non-stop. Yes. So I dare say that on the odd occasions when she's able to have an an afternoon and following morning in Auckland, she'll be able to spend a night yes. in her own bed. But apart from that, she'll be 
probably waking up sometimes thinking, where am I? <laughs> I remember having that experience yeah. once when I was a minister and I woke yeah. up in the middle of the night in central Otago and I literally had no idea where, where I was. I was in a hotel room I'd never been in. I was doing education-related <laughs> visits when I was the Associate Minister of Education and just for a short moment, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night, I thought, I have no idea where I am. <laughs> Some people would probably say I've shown signs of that for the last 12 years. <laughs> I'm sure they have not. <laughs> never have. Uh, there's going to be new blood in the house. How long does it take them to settle in when you uh, brand new, probably the first six months? I think, yes, at least that. You never stop learning, uh, even in this term. While okay. I'm now an experienced and senior MP, I'm, I've, I've still been learning new things, having new opportunities, uh, because I've taken on new portfolios. I've had to get to grips with things that I hadn't previously known a great deal about. Right. Uh, so as a new MP, it can be quite overwhelming. And just finding a way around the parliamentary complex, yeah. getting to know some of the hundreds of people who work there and how they fit into the grand scheme of things, yeah. understanding the demands of a role on a select committee. If you're a new electorate MP, appointing staff, setting up an office, um, getting to uh, know your constituents yep. and, and, and who you can go to for help, because the most frequent reason I've got a constituent appointment coming up shortly frequently at the end of that you then have to follow up by c contacting a government agency or perhaps a, an NGO some sort of organisation yes. that might be able to support you it might be the community law uh, service who are fantastic here in Hamilton I really yep. do want to pay a huge tribute to them Citizens Advice Bureau although quite often they send people to us as well <laughs> there's, there's a lot of interaction with other agencies and together you work on problems and so if you're a new MP there's a lot to learn a lot of people to learn a lot of skills to acquire mm. and the important thing is to be both hungry to learn but also willing to to look out for help yeah. and I made the decision as I it was becoming clear that I would be elected in 2008 that I would appoint an experienced electorate agent and an experienced executive assistant in Wellington. And mm. I did that and was delighted with my choices because right. they taught me a great deal. My electorate agent, Betty Blair, who very sadly died last year, and I miss her dearly still, yes. um, taught me a huge amount about how to work on constituent issues and who would be the best people to contact. She had great networks because she'd been in mm. electorate agent for some time. And Margaret Highland, who worked with me for nine years and was absolutely delightful in Wellington, had the same sort of contacts in Wellington. And boy, they, they can really help. Yep. So if you're a new MP, I'd say look for experience and then just learn as much as you can. Probably best to uh, keep your eyes open and your mouth shut most of the time. <laughs> well, there's the old Holyoke mantra, <laughs> breathe through your nose as a new MP. And I did that in yeah. my first um, year at least. Um, yeah, yeah, different people follow that advice, different people don't. But <laughs> some people can trip up over it, their own yes. uh, hubris or whatever, and that's a shame when you see some getting ahead of themselves. Yes. But yeah, l I guess it's the case of just learn quickly, soak it all up, accept the fact that you'll get some things wrong, learn yep. from those mistakes, and always seek help when you need it. Uh, I thought it was rather sad, however how bumpy it's been at the end and yes, the, the yes. things flowing back and forwards and people being kicked out as it were that was very sad and I think it's given the um, the populace in general uh, not a good look I couldn't agree more and I am very very sad about that as well I'm sad for people who were the victims of some of the mm. antics that you've talked about because there were victims I'm sad for the families of those who have been caught up in all of this. It's been a dreadful time for them and mm. harrowing, particularly having the media hounding them as oh, some gosh. have. I am sad for those MPs themselves because 
while I don't condone their actions and you know their actions were totally unacceptable and have had those consequences nevertheless I always feel sad when I see somebody with a promising career make a horrendous mistake which brings that yes. career at least that aspect of the career yes. to a shuddering halt so everybody loses in these circumstances and I also agree with the comment you've made that I think that the public has formed quite a jaundiced view of all of us we are all as MPs tainted when yeah. this type of thing hap happens yeah. so all I can say is um, please look beyond that particularly as we now go into a campaign focus very much on the issues that are important focus yeah. on the policy choices that are being put forward there are huge decisions to be made about how we manage our economy and protect our social services in particular protect businesses from going under you can't always mm. protect them but try to save as many jobs try yep. to create the opportunities for the training and reskilling of people into new jobs because it's all about how do we save livelihoods and rebuild our economy and our Which society is a big one now. it shouldn't yeah. be about the antics of a few mps bear in mind that there are 120 <laughs> and it's only a few who yes. have brought the whole thing crashing down in public estimation recently most MPs that I've met, regardless of their party, are good people, yes. in there for the right reasons. Yes. I have enormous respect for a lot of my political opponents, yes. both locally and around the country. And I think it would be a shame if we were all seen to be disreputable people, because I, gen I genuinely don't believe that. We just happen to live our lives in a yes. fishbowl, yes. and all our foibles, and we're all, we all have them, uh, probably far more on display than might be for people who don't live... Um, everything in th their lives in the public arena. Right. It always occurs to me, of course, uh, politicians like yourself, even local body uh, politicians, um, their job's in other people's hands. They could That's be right. happy mm -hmm. doing their job for five, ten years, and suddenly they haven't got it. That's exactly right. And I face that prospect this year, just as I have at every previous election. Yes. And I've, I know what it's like to lose. I know what it's like to be privileged enough to, to win yes. and uh, I'd never take this electorate for granted. I've got a very tough contest ahead of me this time round. I'll be working as hard as I can but as you say ultimately that decision will be made by those who are eligible to vote in the Hamilton West electorate. Right. I'd hate to see you going on some uh, government, um, shall we say, uh, handout just to keep, <laughs> keep in things, you know, on the dole or something. Well, um, I'm, I'm just focused on yes. doing everything I can to secure, as, as everyone to secure the seat and yeah. secure a good result for National. I hope that we'll be in a position to form a government after the next election. I'll be doing everything I can, but um, as you say, ultimately it's in the hands of the voters, as it should be. Yes. Democracy uh, may not be perfect, but it sure as heck is better than all the alternatives. Right. Well, unfortunately, this is going to be the last time I can speak to you until the election's over. So, uh, mm -hmm. But once that's over, we'll get you and uh, the others in flat out and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look forward to that very, very much. Well, that's very kind. Can I thank you, Brian, very much for the show that you have run? I have mentioned it before, and I'll say it again. This is the only station and yours is the only program that regularly focuses on local issues, local politics here in our okay. region, the Waikato okay. region. And I really appreciate that and I appreciate those who tune in regularly to listen because it's, it's so important that uh, the issues are being discussed Actually, and I, I, I really worry that at times the only sort of treatment of politics on some other stations is when there's something trivial yeah. and gimmicky yeah. uh, we should be here discussing the issues that matter and we haven't 
we have the opportunity to do that on this program. So I thank you very much for your commitment and and to Free FM. I, I yep. am very grateful. Thank you, and uh, very much hope that I will be in a position to continue uh, appearing. But as I say, that's in the hands of the voters. Yes. For now, can I just say to everybody listening, I hope that the election campaign is. Um, a stimulating one for you, an opportunity for you to hear what the different parties have to offer, what the mm-hmm. candidates locally are offering for our electorates, yes. and that as a result of perhaps having attended some of the candidates' meetings and following things closely, you feel in a position to make an informed choice and that the outcome is the one you are hoping for. And on that note, we'll let you go, and uh, thank you again, Tim, and we look forward to, I will look forward to watching the election, and uh, also look forward to getting people back. Hopefully you'll be one of them, and we'll see how it goes. Thank you, Brian. God bless you, and a very good morning to everybody listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.